0: Listener production.
1: Technology stocks advance on Wall Street despite rising bond yields.
0: And Aussie shares expected to open higher on Tuesday ahead of earnings from BHP, Coles and Woodside Energy. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Tuesday the 22nd of August. Welcome to the Comsec
1: Market Update. Welcome back, Ryan. Hola, Tom. (laughs) I do love Spain, uh, but let's not wax rhapsodic about... uh, what we love to do congratulations to the, um, the spanish ladies they acquitted themselves
0: finally they certainly did much like the technology sector last <laughs> night on wall street tom
1: well, well i must say you don't mind a movie i mean i quite like movies
0: you and, like a rom-com with uh, your uh, you? I,
1: I do not in deer hunter which is probably a slightly aged movie these days but there's you know a very famous scene where they play russian roulette and if you were playing that game and you had a device to your head and you had to pick ahead of the session what sector would have done well, tech stocks would not have been your pick probably, I wouldn't have thought.
0: No, absolutely not. We saw the 10-year US Treasury yield hit a 15-year high. It got as high as 4.35% overnight and it's trading around those levels currently and that's the highest level since November 2007. So typically when that happens, you see technology shares on the back foot I know. And I mean, not to toot our horn,
1: but we have been quite prescient about our discussion when it comes to interest rates. We've suggested that they might be moving into a new trading range over the course of recent weeks. They have done that with Augusto. And that indicates um, a couple of things, amongst others, that the US economy is doing better than had been fared. And I suppose the reporting season in the US has been important in that regard there's still a lot going on under the surface. Last night, for example, John Deere shares were down quite substantially. They were down by 6%. This organisation is a proxy for what's going on in the US agricultural sector. If the economy is doing well and apprentices get paid, they go and buy hubcaps and newts In the US, if the agricultural sector is doing well, they go and buy a nice John Deere tractor.
0: Indeed, and what we have seen is yields really surge on the back of those strong retail sales figures last week, and we have seen other economic data really highlight the resilience of the US economy, and that continues to drive home the Fed's mantra that rates will stay higher for longer. And, of course, we've got the Jackson Hole Jamboree later this week. Indeed. point that I really wanted to make with John Deere is that,
1: despite having just recently delivered um, quite good earnings, uh, they bettered expectations, they raised their outlook. They said that their farm division is going to do better this year, But nonetheless, this session, the stock's down 6%, um, and I think it is, um, to some extent, a reflection of the way that things are shifting a little bit in the mindset of the U.S. investor in particular. John Deere shares have risen by about 30% since the latter part of last year, so... (laughs) There's a a lot of rotation going on beneath the surface, don't you think, Ryan?
0: There is a lot of rotation going on. John Deere also is a little bit of a bellwether for what's going on in the agriculture sector as well. And we have seen a lot of volatility in particular in corn and wheat prices and the like. So there have been some weather events, particularly in the United States recently with wildfires and flooding and and the like. So certainly that will impact those yields in in those grain sectors as well. So that's also something to bear in mind with this. And you must forgive me. Um, I should have mentioned the prices from the outset.
1: So as we mentioned, technology stocks doing particularly well with the NASDAQ in positive territory all day long and finishing with a gain of around 1.6%. The broader market, the S&P 500 was actually a, a bit choppy. It was uh, down by about a quarter of a percent at its lows, uh, having sold off from the open But finished quite strongly with a gain of 0.8 of a percent, and the Dow Jones was down by around 0.1 of a percent at the
0: close. Yes, so we saw the Nasdaq snap a four-day losing streak, and on the back of that, uh, we we did see particularly favourable outcomes around Nvidia. So Nvidia shares jumped 8.3 percent as broker HSBC raised its price target on the stock to a massive 780 US dollars. That's the second highest on Wall Street, and of course. Nvidia's earnings are released on Wednesday, so we'll talk about that later in the week, but certainly everyone's getting fired up about artificial intelligence. It's the proxy for that particular narrative at the moment. The important
1: point is that
0: uh, with uh, the sell-off that we have seen in recent times,
1: it appears as though there's a little bit of a support level now being established for the NASDAQ. You would think that the out-of-bound for that would be around that 13,000 level. So that's helpful in the context of having seen a pretty su- sizable sell-off, a consolidation, now something more constructive looks to be building. So if you do get another drawdown, that 13000 area would be a level that you'd be mindful of in terms of where we've been just recently and potentially emerging as a
0: support level. Of course, at the same time, we're going to hear from Fed Chair Jerome Powell later this week, and the direction <laughs> of interest rates will be in focus. And the title of the symposium at Jackson Hole, Wyoming, is structural shifts in the global economy, and that's got some investors worried that policymakers will lay out risks to the upside for interest rates. So in other words, we may be getting close to a peak in interest rates, but they will remain higher for longer, and that's what's really concerning investors at the moment.
1: What I like about the Fed is that with a title like that, Structural Shifts in the Global Economy, they're really doing their level best to reach out to the kids and bring them into the conversation with catchy snackable
0: content <laughs> indeed and we've got a big focus on that at Comsec at the moment but certainly the other development last night was Tesla halted a 6-day losing streak its share price was up by 7% so it was a key support for the S&P 500 and also the Nasdaq as well Palo Alto Network shares surged 15% as the cybersecurity firm forecasts late Friday annual billings above expectations we did see the Dow Jones under some pressure though Tom so that's interesting you talk about John Deere, and and it's a cyclical type of stock. Well, certainly, if you look at what happened last night in the Dow Jones, it was all about Johnson & Johnson, and its shares lost over 2% after the healthcare firm said it was expecting to retain a stake of about 9.5% in its newly separated consumer health unit, Kenview. So that weighed on that particular stock. But one of the other key developments overnight, Tom, was around vaccines. So unfortunately- Mm. A new variant of COVID has emerged. Of course, we have seen the likes of Novavax, Moderna, BioNTech and Pfizer slated to roll out new shots designed to target the new Omicron subvariant variant XBB.1.5. So we did see shares of the likes of Moderna up 13% at one stage. Uh, Novavax was in that realm as well and, and Pfizer popped nearly 7%. So look out for those COVID related stocks over the course of the next week or two. In the words of Meatloaf, you
1: took the words right out of my mouth in relation to (laughs) Tesla uh, because that 7% gain today uh, was quite notable given the continued drawdown that we've seen for that stock over the course of the last three weeks in which it's lost uh, the better part of 20% driven by concerns about the Chinese economy, margin pressure, Uh, competition, the whole shooting match really. So to see the stock up by 7% today is quite notable. So let's just quickly reflect on the fortunes of European markets overnight because that was quite important, I think, in the aftermath of what we saw for regional markets yesterday, which took quite a knock, particularly those closer to China. The Shanghai market was down 1.2%. The Hang Seng was down 1.8%. The disappointment came in terms of the piecemeal cutting of short interest rates, but they did nothing with the five-year rate, which was much talked about. I was going to say they've promised the world and they live in an atlas, but I think <laughs> that the world has hoped for the world and been given less, and that's uh, part of the disappointment and growing concern about what's going on where China's concerned.
0: Well, certainly a lack of strong stimulus is holding back China's economy at the moment. As you say, it's very much a piecemeal approach targeted at consumers, but consumers aren't reacting because the property sector's under pressure. And what we did see yesterday, apart from the tinkering with interest rates, as you mentioned, the one-year benchmark lending rate was cut by a lower than expected 10 basis points to stimulate credit demand. So once again, very, very small incremental cuts in interest rates. But on top of that, there was reports from Reuters that Chinese state banks acted to stabilise a sliding offshore Chinese yuan. So intervention in the currency market was behind a reversal in prices of industrial metals. So we did see, in the end, the likes of copper up by 0.4%, aluminium rose by just 0.1%. But China's major state-owned banks were seen actively mopping up the offshore yuan And that comes as the currency is under pressure from the darkening economic outlook in China. That did wash over into
1: the performance of uh, European stocks, particularly where chemical names were concerned. Uh, Construction uh, was doing poorly. Real estate was the leading underperformer, thanks to rising interest rates. You had Unibal, Radamco, Westfield down by about 1.3%. The moves weren't that pronounced. I mean, the FTSE was just in negative territory. The French market up by about a half of 1%. The German DAX up 0.2%. The stock 600 was just positive. But it's, again, worth pointing out that since the middle part of July, most of these indices have fallen by about 5%, and the concern around China has been a significant part of that picture. So the question is whether or not that consolidation last night gives way to something more sinister in the days
0: ahead. One of the key things that came out last night was German producer prices. So we did see them down by a larger than expected 6% in July compared with a year ago, and that's on the back of a big fall in energy prices. They sank 19.3 percent compared with a year ago. Of course, Ukraine Russian conflict was a, was a key driver a year ago of those jumps in electricity prices, which then slumped in July. So electricity prices are down 30 percent. So. This is encouraging because Germany is the largest economy in Europe and inflation in Europe's largest economy could abate further from here.
1: Look, uh, let's just quickly
0: get to the commodity prices. worth pointing out that uh, we have seen oil
1: prices come off quite a bit. So the range seems to have been established for the moment, Ryan, I think with the weaker... Growth pulse out of China. The ceiling seems to be in for oil prices, which is uh, around 85 US dollars per barrel. So it's pulled back a little bit from there uh, since that weekend news last week. It's trading just below 80 dollars. So that's down by seven percent from the, the recent peak. So the range is, seems to be high 60s on the downside, mid 80s on the on the upside.
0: Gulf futures up by 0.3 percent to 1923 US dollars an ounce. It's broadly been around a five-month low recently. And that news out of China around support for the yuan and also the interest rate cuts saw iron ore futures up 0.4% to 106.48 US dollars a tonne. Today in Australia, Tom, not much happening as far as economics is concerned. We've got the weekly, weekly Consumer Confidence Index, but we've got a shed load of news when it comes to companies. We've got busy day. A massive day of company results.
1: The group of companies that report today will provide another valuable cross section of what's going on. Yeah, not only locally but also further afield. So one of the names that stands out in that regard, of course, is
0: BHP. Absolutely. So, the world's largest miner by mine market value is scheduled to report its full year earnings before the Aussie market opens today. It's expected to report net profit of thirteen point three billion for the year ended June thirty, and that would compare to the thirty point nine billion profit it recorded a year ago when it benefited from the sale of its petroleum business and strong commodity prices. It's worth then segueing into Woodside Energy. Yes, and Australia's number one independent oil and gas producer is likely to post a strong first half profit underpinned by resilient LNG spot market prices and upbeat production levels. So it's anticipated that Woodside's first half core net profit after tax will come in about $2 billion above last year's 1.82 bill. So that really provides a strong outcome there. So um, the current dividend yield, uh, if you look at that fully franked and the like is about 9.75%. That's quite eye watering, isn't it, Tom?
1: In this environment, that is definitely satisfying your yield-hungry investor. The Aussie dollar has been punished, but it does seem to be bottoming out a little bit. Again, for the moment, of course, uh, most of these uh, ranges can be obliterated in, in the moment, but it has tried to you know dip down well into that high 63 area but it seems to be making higher lows for what it's worth. So, of course, all of this can change at the end of the week with Jackson Hole and their commentary around what's going on in the U.S. That will have a very significant impact on the U.S. dollar and its near-term fortunes and, in turn, other currencies. Ryan, it's great to have you back.
0: Pleasure, Tom. It's great to be here. Dear listener, thanks for your
1: time this morning.